Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Let's come around God's word. We read one scripture to you from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father God, it seems like there is so much need in our world. So many people need help. And you are our help and our strength. And we ask that this morning you would open your word to us. That we would see the grace and the mercy that you've made available to us. So speak to us, we pray. Anoint Pastor John. And may he make a difference in that beautiful nation. In Jesus' name. And everyone with a bit of faith said... Amen. You can take your seats. In October of 1989, my mom was given the news that she never wanted to hear. My mom, my my mom's mom, my nana, Ethel Hardy, had been in a coma for three days as a result of a perforated ulcer. Poison had spilled out into her body. And so the doctors in the hospital took my mom aside and said, I'm so sorry, but your mom's not going to make it. You need to say your goodbyes. And that night when my mom came to the hospital, came home from the hospital, I I remember seeing her look so flat, so discouraged. My mom is normally a life giver, always brings a smile, but she knew that the end was near. And so the next day she went with dad into North Tees General Hospital, expecting to say her goodbyes. And she turned into my Nana's ward and she was sat up in a bed, tucking into a breakfast, looking better than she had for years. And so my mom said, what happened? And Nana started to tell her an amazing story. A few days earlier, my uncle had been in who was a vicar and he'd given her a small wooden cross. And Nana said that when she slipped into the coma, she slipped into this dark, eerie, horrible place. She said the smell, she described them in incredible detail. It was pitch black. But in her mind, she clung on to that little cross that my uncle had given her and held it up. And she said, as I held it up in the distance, I saw a little chink of light. And so she said, it took all my strength, but over the next three days, I kept holding it up as often as I could. And the more I held it up, the more light filled that dark place until eventually, she said, I was in this beautiful room filled with light. And her eyes would sparkle as she described this room. She said, oh, the colors. She said, it's not like this world. This world is dull. The colors that were in that room, I cannot describe, she said. And then she said, and in the center 
was a throne. And she described it like those of you who are a little bit older, see a few gray hairs out there. They described the, the old 1P coin with the Britannia throne on the back. Do you remember that? Don't nod because that'll reveal your age. And she described it as that. Now my dad, who knows the Bible inside out, he, he was a Gideon himself, and so he reached into the drawer of the hospital and picked out the Gideon Bible. He opened it up to Revelation 21, gave it to Nana, and by the way, she wasn't a Christian. She'd never made a decision, didn't go to church. Sometimes I'd go to Nana and Grandad's and find Grandad's naughty naughty uh, magazines behind the, behind the couch. <laughs> so she wasn't a Christian. But when dad handed her the Gideon Bible and she read Revelation 21, she handed it back and she said, that's where I've been. Because it describes colors and a throne. That encounter changed my nana forever. She was completely healed. She gave her life to Christ, and as a result of her story, many uncles and aunts also came to Christ. One moment in the throne room. I was at Bible college at the time, but whenever I did see my nana, I would pepper her with questions. What was it like? I'd ask her about the throne room. Did you go up to it? What did you find there? So I want to talk for a few moments about the throne room of God. Because one moment in his throne room can change everything. So before we arrive at Hebrews 4.16, let's backtrack a little bit and go to Hebrews 4.12. So if you've got your Bibles, if not, don't worry, you can watch it karaoke style online. Here we go, Romans 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God sees your thoughts, the good ones, the naughty ones, the insecure ones. God sees all of it goes on in verse 13, says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. Have you ever been in a situation like that where everything was uncovered and laid bare? Can I be vulnerable for a moment with this little group, this nest of trust here and online of a time when everything was uncovered and laid bare. And some of you men may relate to this. Is that a clue? I went in for a little operation. It begins with a V and ends in asectomy, if you haven't got it. And that was a time when everything was uncovered and lay bare. Now, in my infinite wisdom, I lived in Drayton and I decided to go to the, the surgery just down the road. I thought, I'll nip in, get it done, walk home. Bad, bad idea. And, uh, you know, those of you men who've had it, we won't ask for a show of hands. But uh, I went in and I thought, I just want to get in and out. I don't want anyone. So, you know, I went in, there's a lovely lady, young lady at the reception and 
I said, what are you here for? So I whispered. I said, what? Didn't catch that. I had to repeat it a bit louder. And she said, oh, so what's your address? I gave her my address and she said, what's your first name? I said, Steve, surname, Morstan. She said, oh, you must be Rachel's husband. Because Rachel was a physio. It's just not what you want, is it? So much for the going quietly about it. So in I go and then, you know, I get called in by the doctor. You, you know, you strip off and literally everything is uncovered and laid bare. And, uh, you know, the crown jewels are propped up on the royal cushion and you're ready for your surgery. That's just what happens. And so he's there with the knife, ready to go in. And there's a knock at the door and in comes a nurse and says to the doctor, sorry, doctor, you need it. So he goes out and she says, how are you, Mr. Mawson? I mean, how are, you, how are you meant to answer that? What do you say? Now, he, I thought he'd be gone for 30 seconds. He was gone for 10 minutes. In that time, the reception nurse came in as well. She got a little bandage out. I can remember everything. I thought they might as well. Are they going to Instagram live it? Are they going to put it on the BBC? 10 minutes is a long time. And we laugh. We laugh. But most of us know a time in our lives when everything was uncovered and laid bare. We know what it is to feel vulnerable and afraid and naked and ashamed. Maybe someone you love stuck the knife into you and it hurt much deeper than a physical pain. It affected your heart. We spend so much of our lives covering up putting on the mask. Pastor John wrote a brilliant book, if you haven't read it, called Unmasked, where he identifies the different masks that we wear to cover over the pain. And we hide. We don't hang out with friends. We don't come to church because we don't want people to see. We don't want to get hurt again. But the truth is, and God sees, nothing is covered. He sees what you're going through. He sees what's in your heart and the pain that you're experiencing. He sees our frailty and fragility, our faults and our failures. Say, Steve, the thought of going before the throne of God, a God who sees everything, surely that's terrifying. Surely with my weakness and my faults and my failures, surely he's gonna judge me and condemn me. What does the Bible actually say about this throne? Let's ask those questions that I asked when my nana came back from that encounter. It goes on in verse 14, says, since we have a great high priest. We don't just have a high priest or a good high priest. We've got a great high priest who ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. It goes on, says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. I love that word. Jesus doesn't just sympathize, he empathizes. He knows what it's like. If anyone was laid bare, it was Jesus on the cross. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Three reasons why Jesus is a great high priest. Number one, he was tempted in every way that you are. Number two, he never gave in to sin. And number three, but still he understands your weakness. Jesus is the only one that withstood the full brunt, the onslaught of sin, and he came through it, he defeated it, he overcame it. So he's, he's a good high priest in heaven, representing us before God, but also has empathy for our weakness because he was also a man. Priest stands between God and man, and Jesus is the perfect high priest. And friend, he sees your weakness. This week a man, I think his name was Sam Redmond, died. You might have seen it in the news. He was famous because of a story with his son 20 years ago. The 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona, the British athlete Derek Redmond had a lot to prove. He was one of the nation's best and brightest young athletes. But injuries had blighted his career. He had one final opportunity in the Olympic Games to get the one thing that he desired, an Olympic medal. And here's what's happened, so check out the screens. You know, God is faithful. Despite our failures, despite our weaknesses, when we can't make it, when we feel like giving up, from heaven he steps out of the stands and he comes alongside us and he holds us and he's a faithful high priest. He knows what it is to get to the finishing line, but he also knows your weakness. And thank God all we need to do sometimes is hold on to him. When we feel like giving up, like the original people who the epistle to the Hebrews was written to, they felt like giving up. But the message is, hold on. Why? Because there's a throne. So let's look at that throne. What's it like to approach that throne? Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of dot, dot, dot. Here's what we expect. We're Brits, we live with a constitutional monarch. 
But in the ancient world, they lived under an absolute monarchy, one of power, an absolute authority. And so for anybody to approach a throne would have been scary. And so we expect, let us then approach God's throne of absolute power. Let us approach God's throne of judgment and condemnation. But it doesn't say that, does it? Let us then approach God's throne of grace. Thank God it's a throne of grace. We come before his throne of grace. One literal translation of Hebrews 4.16 says this, the place from which grace is dispensed. How many need a place in your world where you can go where grace is dispensed. If you look through the translations and interpretations of this verse, you find a list of the following. It's a throne of graciousness, a throne of gracious help, a throne of gracious care, a throne of kindness, a throne of favor. Is anyone glad that God's throne is all of those things, no matter what you need? It's a throne of grace. How do we approach that throne? It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with fear, with condemnation. No, it says with confidence, with boldness. This is remarkable. You don't come wallowing and groveling in the cesspool of your own sinfulness. It says you come to this throne with confidence. It's not because of what you have done. It's all because Jesus has already gone before you. It's not about how good you are. It's all about how good he is. You come to the throne like my nana did. Through a cross. Because if anyone was laid bare and naked, it was Jesus on the cross beaten and battered and betrayed and bruised for you. He was without sin. He took your sin. So it doesn't matter what you've done any longer. You come to a throne of grace with confidence, not with arrogance, with reverence and respect and confidence because of what Jesus has done. Hebrews 12 later goes on to say this, let us run with endurance. The race that's set before, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So that's how we approach it. What do we find? What do you find in God's throne room. Imagine if we could do a tour. It's cool that we get to tour the new building. Imagine if, if I could take you on a tour into God's throne room. How awesome would that be? Let me tell you, it would be amazing. My Nana would keep saying, I can't describe the colors. Rach and I once, when we came back from Australia, we came back numbers of times. We'd always come back through a different Asian city because you always got a free stopover. So we went to Kuala Lumpur and we went to Japan and we went to Singapore. But the one that I really loved was when we stopped in Brunei. 
because that's where the Sultan of Brunei was at the time, the richest man in the world. And he'd built a hotel. It was a seven-star hotel. And when you'd come down from your room on a, on a stairway, and there was literally gold in the stairway, and the banister was paved in gold. It was an amazing place. And I'm talking to you about something that's not just seven star. Talking about heaven where the Bible says the streets are paved with gold. We just dug the foundations of our church building and it talks about the foundations of this place made of sapphire and emerald. Where when the walls go up and a gate is put in, it's made of pearl. Can you imagine this place? But of all of heaven, the bit that I want to see is the throne room. Why? Because that's where the richest treasure is. The richest treasure. Because it says this, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may, that we may receive mercy and grace. What do you find at the throne room of God? You find these two incredibly precious commodities. The most valuable commodities you can ever receive. In Ephesians 2, 4-6, the Apostle Paul talks about the worth of these commodities. He said, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Is anyone glad that God is rich in mercy? He's got an abundance of mercy. He's got a wealth of mercy. There's no price cap. There's no short supply. He is rich in mercy and he's made us alive with Christ. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Thank God at the throne room of God, when we approach it, what do we find? We'll find the riches of mercy and the incomparable riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. It's rich in mercy. It's just as well, isn't it? Some of you little tinkers. How many are glad he's rich in mercy? We need it, don't we? We need mercy and grace. It says we boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and grace. When? When in time of need. Time of need. I'm 52 years of age. I know that's a shock. You thought I was a lot younger, didn't you? Just smile at Steve. Thanks, Declan. Good response, mate. Time of need. I'm 52 years of age. I don't think in my life I've ever seen such a time of need. On Thursday, Thursday is the day when we prepare for preaching. And so I, I woke up, actually slept in, getting over jet lag. Probably woke up about 7.30. And read the verse of the day, switched on my phone, news headlines, president of USA, says it's the time in history when we're closest to a nuclear apocalypse since Cuban Missile Crisis, 1962. 
Then I read in Thailand, a gunman has burst into a daycare center and shot children. 39 people have lost their lives. And then I get text after text after text, people in need. A young couple, uh, one of them had woken up in bed and couldn't speak, thought it was a stroke. One of them, someone else had tried to commit suicide. Someone else said, I'm struggling, I don't think I'll make it, I think I'm gonna end up on a psychiatric unit. Can you pray? That's before nine o'clock. I haven't even got out of bed yet. Have you ever known such a time of need? Thank God there's a throne. Thank God there's a throne that we can go to. And I call those people and one of the things that I said and we often say is, just gotta take one day at a time. Have you ever said that to someone? Take one day at a time. In the book of Lamentations, chapter three, verse 21, there's the amazing scripture, this I recall to mind. And sometimes when your world is crashing down, sometimes you've got to recall the right things to mind. Therefore, I have hope through the Lord's mercies. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, new every morning. You might have had a tough day yesterday, but today's a new day, and when you wake up, his mercies are new every morning. Mercy and grace as the team come. Love this thought as well, one, one more scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Of all of the epistles that Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, 2 Corinthians is where he's doing it tough. He's, he's talking about trouble and hardship and stonings and whipping and beatings and shipwrecks, persecution. And then he goes into the throne room of God. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he hears the whisper of heaven. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. And there are people in this room and there are people listening to me online and you need to hear a voice from heaven because you're in a time of need. But the good news is there's a throne, there's a place where loving kindness and care is dispensed and God is whispering to those who will hear and he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Bill and Miriam, his grace is sufficient for you. Big Kev, his grace is sufficient for you. Malachi, his grace is sufficient for you. Come on, who's glad that there's a throne of grace? Why do we stand together? Stand together. God's here. And he's whispering to some of you, to some of you, some of you say my grace is sufficient for you his mercies are new every morning and friend you've been in a time of need so many of us have the good news is you can come boldly
to that throne. We're going to take a moment to pray for people. And if you're in a time of need, you just need someone to stand with you. You need, you need God's grace and His mercy to be poured into your life. We're just going to take a few moments. Melody's going to lead us in a song and I'm going to invite you to come boldly to a throne of You can come anywhere. You can come if you're in your car listening to me. You can come if you're in your kitchen. You can go to that throne anytime. Whenever there's a time of need, you go to His throne. You'll find His grace. So we'd love to stand with anyone in our church. Just take a moment to open these altars, to be with you and to believe God. I'm going to get Rachel to come and pray in a minute. We're going to believe for God's mercy and His grace to be poured out. So as we sing, if that's you and you just slip out, our team will come and stand with you and we're going to believe God. So come boldly to His throne. Come on team. How wonderful is His amazing grace. Some of you have come forward this morning, but I know there's many of us in the room that feel weak in a certain area and we need His grace. I love the Scripture that Steve shared. His grace, His strength, His power has made perfect in our weakness. His grace is attracted to our weakness. And right now we're going to pray for those that have come forward. But I wonder if you need some grace to attach to your weakness, whatever it might be. The area that you need strength right now in finance, in your marriage, in a conversation that you've got to have, in a, in a physical weakness, in a, in, a, in a mental weakness. Maybe there's a, a predisposition pre, 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 to anxiety. And right now His strength wants to come alongside and His grace to help you. Maybe there's a tendency to getting quite low and right now He wants to lift you. He wants to give you His grace. So can you raise your hand right now? In fact, all of us, we all need His strength, don't we? We all need His grace and online in your room right now and you are reaching out. I wanna encourage you to reach out towards the screen. Reach out to heaven. And right now we thank You, Lord, that Your grace is sufficient. Your grace not only saved us and reached out and drew us out from our sin and our failure, but Your grace continues to give us the strength every single day and every single hour and every single moment. With every conversation, with every breath that we breathe, right now we raise our hands and we thank You, Lord, that Your strength is made perfect in our weakness because of Your grace. Say out loud, I thank You for Your grace. I receive Your grace. I receive Your grace. And anyone, I feel that there's someone online and maybe in the room and when Steve talked about everything being put out there, you've been feeling vulnerable, but you've also been feeling this feeling of condemned, almost like, like God is pointing His finger. Right now He's reaching out with arms of love and He's saying, they might have condemned you, they might have accused you, but I don't. And I'm reaching out with open arms right now. I'm reaching out with open arms. If that's you, receive that right now. Reach your hand out. God, I receive Your grace. I receive Your mercy. I thank You there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no fear. 
and you can boldly and confidently approach His throne. We thank You for that, Lord. We thank You for that. Amen. Amen. There's one more group of people we'd love to pray for. We do it every week in our church, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room. Friend, you've never had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. You've never met Him, never entered into a relationship just like my Nana hadn't. But He loves you. He wants to wrap His arms around you. He's already done everything He can. So you can be right with Him. All you've got to do is accept Him in. You say, Steve, how do I do that? You pray a prayer. And we would love to lead you in a prayer. When you pray pray this prayer, what He does is He forgives you of your sin and your past and your failures and your mistakes. He comes in right now today to give you meaning and purpose for your future. Then what He does is He gives you an eternal home and a confidence before that throne room that you'll live forever. But friend, you've got to make that choice. Maybe you once walked with Him, but if you're really honest, You've drifted away. You've been doing your own thing. But that's okay because He's gracious. His mercy is in you every morning and today is the day for you to come home. So I'd love to pray for anyone online, anyone in this room, from the front to the back. We're going to pray this prayer. We want to give you a moment of privacy. This is between you and God. So would you just bow your heads? He loves you, friend. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you say, Steve, I want to be included in that prayer. And when I count to three, you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Then we're all going to pray this prayer together. This is your moment, friend. If you want to get right with God, when I count to three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. That's it. Just slip it up all over this room. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over there. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you at the back. You can pop it back down. Come on, let's all. This is what it's all about, church, a meaningful moment. Let's all repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit trust and live for you. Right now, Lord Jesus, I pray you'd come into the hearts of every individual that raised their hand. You see them. You see what they're going through. I pray, Spirit of God, you would do something that will transform them forever. So come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we really congratulate everyone here and online that prayed that prayer. Powerful. For those of you in the room, you've taken a first step and you know there's many next steps after this, but we want to help you to take that next step. The best thing you can do next is to, as you leave this building, you'll see team waiting for you out in the foyer. They would love nothing more than to meet you. So just go and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. If you're watching online, send us a text or email us on the details that are on there. We would love to get some material to you. And then the other thing I'd say is come back to church. If you're not part of a church and you live in Norwich, come here. You guys online, wherever you live, find a great life-giving church and 
go there. So as my beautiful wife comes, come on, one more time. Let's give it up for all of those who prayed that prayer. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.